HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Jennifer Kramer is the Executive Vice President of Employee Benefits and Presidio HR. She has over 20 years of experience in operations supporting multi-state, for-profit, and non-profit organizations. She has expertise in project management, training and development, performance management, employee and client relations, policy and procedures, and conflict resolutions. Consistently recognized as an innovative, results-oriented, and effective leader, Jennifer builds teams support by encouraging others to perform and achieve strategic business goals. Jen is no stranger to setting goals and performing her best. With three marathons and 13 half marathons, finisher medals hanging around her neck, she's living her dream one mile at a time. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be invited onto your show. Well, why don't you start off by telling um, telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I've been in human resources, um, progressive through my career, for about 20 years. First, as an internal HR um, professional, and then as I term it, an external HR professional, meaning that I provide HR services to my clients rather than one particular organization. Um, so as an HR consultant um, in, in a number of different areas, the full breadth of um, an employee life cycle, if you want to think of it in that respect. So I would call myself a true HR generalist. So not necessarily specializing in one area or another. Okay, awesome. So like we kind of mentioned in your bio, you and you just mentioned you've been in the industry one way or another for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that in that, just like me, you've probably seen anything and everything that, that goes on out there. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fun times, right? <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly, and yes. the funny. And yes, yes. Um, I what uh, as you say, funny. Um, I believe I interviewed somebody once um, over the phone, who was in the bathtub once. That was one of my mm-hmm. fun ones. Yes, I think one. Oh yeah, somebody actually peed while we were on the uh, doing an interview too. Um, Just this past week, I had someone um, answer the phone. They were in the shower. Um, and it was on the phone. It was not a video call. Um, so let me be clear there, especially in today's age, right? But right. but nonetheless, they felt the need to answer our scheduled phone interview um, while they were in the shower and then proceeded to continue on that call, even though I suggested maybe we reschedule. 
So, yeah, it's amazing what people do. Right. I didn't want to miss the call. Let's just Yeah, but I needed shower. to still shower. Right. Yeah. I know. I know. We we professionals um we we get the 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 brunt of of the crazies out there, don't we? Or I shouldn't, That's I shouldn't true. call them. I shouldn't call no, them crazies. No, no, no. I know. Okay. Well, no. anyways, um, so um, you and I have obviously spoke prior to this. And, um, you know, this being about employee retention, about hiring. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you um, do to help your, you know, clients with those types of things. How do you, um, you know, how do you start working with your clients um, to assist with those types of things? In terms of um, hiring and retention, yeah. Um, really, we take it right back to the very beginning and understanding, you know, what are what's your culture, right? What are your what are your needs in this position? We don't want to. We don't want to necessarily rinse and repeat in saying that, you know, you, for example, maybe someone resigned and you're looking to replace that position. Do you, do we need to find this exact replacement or have things changed over time? So let's look at, you know, what are your needs today versus where they were perhaps three years ago or five years ago when you initially hired for that role and where are you looking to go in the future so that we're not just solving for today but we're solving for tomorrow as well as best as we can we don't have that crystal ball and then when we are looking to bring somebody on what's going to be attractive to them so we look at the whole picture and everyone focuses in on compensation well we certainly want to be competitive in the marketplace. So we talk about, you know, where the compensation philosophy, where do you want to be? Do you want to be mid, like right in the middle in terms of your competition? Do you want to lead the market, lag the market? But compensation is just one piece of it. Mm -hmm. There's, there's the full package when we talk about benefits. Um, there's the employee benefit package in terms of medical, dental, vision, um, but then also what are you providing in terms of time off, mm -hmm. um, paid time off, sick leave, um, holidays, that's a key component these days. Do you have a flexible work environment? Mm -hmm. What's your true, what are you portraying as a a community as a culture because that's key to employees. Are you 100% remote? Do you offer a hybrid work environment? These are things that people are looking for. Um, in When I talk about culture, oftentimes it's very um, subjective, right? We can't, we can't say, okay, your medical plan is this and this, you have so many days of PTO, right? But mm -hmm. culture, um, culture's hard to pinpoint. Um, but it's, in my mind, it's about listening to your employees, empowering your employees, um, talking to them, understanding where 
they want to go with their careers, um, giving them the tools to get there, giving them maybe um, an assignment or a, a, a project or whatever it is that pertains to their work that will um, stretch their minds, give them those opportunities for growth, um, those learning opportunities, right? Being being present with them to guide them and support them, but not necessarily doing the job for them. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that plays into to culture. And if you can do that, in addition to the compensation, the PTO, the holidays, the work um, location, and everything else that they're looking for, then in my mind, that's what makes everything kind of stick. That's the stickiness factor, the retention in that employee. And, and I love that. You know, when we, when we first spoke, you used that term. Um, you have to make mm. situations, you know, sticky. And so that leads me into, um, you know, a great uh, next question. Um, do you think that employees are truly leaving positions for more money these days? Yes and no. For some people, um, money is very important to them. But mm -hmm. ultimately, the majority of people are not leaving for money. It all has to do with overall culture and feeling valued in that role. Mm -hmm. So if you can convey to your employees in whatever manner makes you know sense in, in your company, in your industry, in that role, that they're valued, that they're listened to, that what they have to say and the work that they produce, whether it's making widgets or, you know, performing that, you know, intensive, you know, surgery or, you know, what, whatever spectrum that's on, that the work that they're producing is valuable to you, their manager, the broader organization and to, you know, they're bringing value and they're, they're intrinsically receiving that overall, that's what's going to lead them to stay with you. Mm -hmm. um, 25 cents down the road is not going to make or break it. They may go initially, but they're going to, if they don't feel valued for 25 cents more down the road, they're going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. And we do see that boomerang. Right. So how do we, I mean, other than obviously the, the obvious answer, fix your culture, which is I know. not an obvious. I wish I had that pixie dust, right? Right, right. You know, sprinkle it over this company, sprinkle it over that company, yeah. and all of a sudden it's magically fixed. But we all know that it's taken years, years for culture to plummet because Right. I've got to assume that at one time, all of these businesses that, and don't get me wrong, I am sure that every business that started at one time had the greatest intent of, of having this glorious you know, place that people wanted to come and work at. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the line, um, culture became its own mm -hmm. animal because with lack of direction and 
true intention and you have to have somebody who is actually intentionally creating culture Mm -hmm. in order to maintain that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So at one point, somebody who was creating and cultivating and continuing to manage that exited that company. And nobody stepped in and said, okay, this is my intention. I'm going to continue to cultivate this ever really stepped back in and continued to cultivate that and make it beautiful. And so culture ultimately, you know, the lack of, of creating and cultivating that doesn't mean that another culture doesn't take over. Correct. And it becomes its own animal. Yeah. So now we have businesses, we have companies that, um, whether it's flying under the radar and nobody's ever said oh, it's a horrible place to work or it's very blatant and you see these mm. horrible reviews and nobody's going to mm-hmm. work there. Um, mm-hmm. A culture exists. I mean, it Cultures does. exist, subcultures exist. Mm-hmm. Right. So now we're in a, in a state of how do we unravel the negativity? Mm-hmm. And then start to rebuild positivity in right. these in these places, you know. And when it's, you know, if it's if it's a culture of of fifteen, it may be a little bit easier. But when mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred and fifty, mm-hmm. that's going to take time. Now, if yeah. we're talking about three thousand. Right. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who, you know, obviously can't see us, Jennifer right now is making a face of, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be extremely difficult. So where do we? But not impossible. Right. Nothing Mm -hmm. is impossible. But where do we even begin? Because. Right. I mean, the first thing I do or have done when I was looking for a job was what is the culture of this company? Are they a great company to work for or are they a horrible company to work for? And I let me tell you, that's going to play a huge role on whether or not I want to go work for them. Even if they're willing to pay me top dollar, am I going to be miserable every time I come home? And is that top dollar worth it? Probably not. And what's important to you may not be important to the next person. So what you value is different from what someone else values. Um, but yes, where do you start? Well, number one is being aware and wanting to to make a change. And the change always starts from the top. So someone in that top or top levels of the company needs to initiate that change. And you need to be open to it. And change is never easy. Um, and to your point, you know, change within a 15-person company versus a 3,000 or more, right, um, is going to take much longer. Mm-hmm. But regardless, right, you have to have the buy-in. And you're never going to have 100% buy-in mm-hmm. ever. But starting at the top, understanding, you know, what is your mission? What is your vision? What are your values? And how do you 
organization, right, want to manifest those values going forward? What does that look like to you in your day-to-day -day work, right? And then determine who's in this with you and who's going to choose not to stay on this route, right? And they may initially say, I'm in this, right? I, I, I see your vision, I see your mission, I understand the values and I'm on this route. And as you start to move that ship slowly and it becomes more and more uncomfortable, you may see those employees opt out and that's okay. Because although that may be a star player for you and it may hurt to have that employee leave your team and it may leave a huge void, everyone is replaceable. And this is your company, your vision, your mission, your values, and everyone needs to be moving in the same line, right? If this is truly what you as leaders believe in, in terms of where you want your culture to be, then some hard decisions are going to be, need to be made along the way, and certainly not overnight. So again, if I could go back to having that magic wand of pixie dust, I would love to do this for some of the companies that I help to support, but it is a journey, and you need to be going into that eyes wide open. Interesting. So we need buy-in, obviously, from mm -hmm. the top up. And so do you consult with them on where to start? We do, yeah. So certainly where to start, what the process may look like, and then we walk alongside um, all through that process. So every company, it's going to look different um, in terms of, you know, where, where are they today and where do they want to go? Mm -hmm. um, and what does that look like? So, so um, let's say it's a 50-person company. Okay. What do you typically tell them that time frame is going to look like? Well, again, it, it depends on where they are today. Right. Um, but minimum, minimum a year, if not longer. Right. Mm -hmm. it, again, it doesn't happen overnight. We may make some changes. We may make some significant impact over a year. But the bottom line is it never stops. We don't hit a goal line and say we, right. we've achieved this. It is continuous improvement. And how do you, you can't leave your you can't take your eye off the ball. So you also made a point earlier about, um, you know, someone who had their their eye on that that culture. Right. They may have left the organization um, and that's where things started to unravel. Maybe they did leave the organization or maybe they just became so pulled in a different direction that that's where they took their eye off of things. Mm -hmm. You need to have someone or some people um, continuously keeping their eye on um, this, the vision, the mission, the culture, and making sure it's going in the direction. It can evolve, right? Mm -hmm. But it needs to continue to go in the direction you would like it to. And how do you track this? You know, I have all these ideas yeah. like, oh, do we sure. do 
constant employee surveys? Do we do constant? Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, what do we, what do we, well, yeah. what are the matrix on this? Because now we're talking, you know, and when I hear culture, I think it's like, it's not a tangible thing. It's not something it's you not. can hold yeah. in your hand. So it's like, how do I track this? Especially when you're speaking to some people who, and, and I, I say this, no, let me, I, sometimes I always pause and then go, I don't know, am I going to say this right? Some people out there don't mind walking into a volatile environment and working in that. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not necessarily because there's the one who's who creates it, but don't get me wrong. There are some people who thrive on watching others gossip and be... Absolutely. So, and if you're coming into a culture that is already mm-hmm. completely possibly up in arms and is a mm-hmm. mess. You, toxic. Toxic. You you mm-hmm. now are asking these employees mm-hmm. whom you are trying to create a positive culture. You are now going to be asking them, how do you feel the culture has gotten? And they, those employees may think that, wow, it's gotten really horrible here. Because now you're turning what they think is their haven of gossip and disarray into positivity and sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. So how, well, how do we truly track this? Well, first let's just set the expectation that nowhere is sunshine and rainbows. Right. right? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. You're, you're right. But yes, but we can have, we can have a good environment where you feel you know, you feel good about, you know, working in that, that environment. I don't want to say like walking into, right. Cause we don't all walk into a brick and mortar, but you, you feel comfortable right. walking into that environment. You feel good about the work you're producing and, and what have you. But, um, but to your point, how do we measure this? Right? Yes. There are several tools, certainly employee surveys, um, focus groups, right. Mm-hmm. Walking around again, I'm I'm <laughs> picturing everyone in brick and mortar, right. but truly really just having those conversations with your team, whether that's regular touch base meetings, fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, you know, random conversations, you can learn a lot by just having a regular basic conversation with your team, either one-to-one in a team format, at the water cooler, whatever that looks like. It's amazing what people will share with you. But you have to be present. Right. No, and and I, I understand when you say it's amazing what people will share with you because um, for some reason over the years um, – as I have no longer been in corporate HR, I have been mm-hmm. in on the sales side, the business development side, in a in a um, at a staffing at at various staffing companies over the last years. Um, it it is amazing what when when employees don't look at you as the authority, correct? What they will divulge to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when they don't look at you as being anybody who, um, when they don't look at you as a threat of this person can't 
harm me. This person can't fire me. This person can't. Yet they also look at you as a superior, as somebody Mm -hmm. who they can possibly could potentially help me. It is absolutely amazing what somebody will come and confide in you in sometimes looking for just a confidant and sometimes looking for an underlying cry for help of something's not right here. And um, I have been in that position a couple of times throughout my career of employees coming in, sitting down in my office, and I'm like, uh, what, what? what can I do for you? And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden they burst out in tears and I'm going, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's happening here? <laughs> and, and that sometimes it was because I was the only other female in the office that, Oh, isn't that true? Mm-hmm. And it was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then it was, do you, are you just venting or do mm-hmm. you want me to take action? Excellent question. Yes. And and quite often it was, I, I just wanted to vent. Yeah. Which eventually came into, okay, if you continue to come into my office, I, I cannot stay silent on this. Very good. Yes, yes. Like, I mean, this has gotten to a point of you are clearly very dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. You are clearly, I mean, you're either going to quit or you're going to get fired because now... And when people don't look at you as a threat of, like, your HR, your, or, it it is amazing that they're more apt to tell you. What I'm confused by is, why? Why have we created such, and I know the answer to it, it's a rhetorical question. (laughs) But why have we created, why have we stopped employees, even though we tell them until we're blue in the face, this is a safe place. There will be no retribution for you, you know, coming forward. There will be, why time and time again will employees not come forward and say, hey, this is, you know, my manager is yelling at me despite the fact that I'm doing a good job or this is happening or whatever it might be is transpiring. So although we say it, right, Mm -hmm. oftentimes the trust isn't there. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along the way, that trust has been broken. At some, it may not have been between that particular manager and that employee, but somewhere they have seen that that trust between an employee and manager broken, and so they can't trust in the fact that what has been stated in that handbook, stated in that policy, verbally explained to them over and over. And regardless of what the law says, they don't trust in that. And they feel that it's going to come back to them in some negative aspect. And it's just better not to say anything at all. Some also feel that it's not worth their time and energy because it's not going to go anywhere. That 
perhaps, you know, this person might be a, this person who might be um, uh, bullying them or harassing them or whatever the situation is, that they are seen as a favorite or a protected person within the, the organization. And regardless of what happens, they're not going to get in trouble and no action is going to be taken. So why is it that me, employee who feels attacked, why should I put myself out there when nothing is going to happen? So that's oftentimes the mentality, especially if this person, um, this employee, may have a disciplinary record, right? Mm -hmm. Who's going to believe them? Their mentality is, who's going to believe me if I've been written up in the past, right, against this person who has a stellar record, even though what they're doing is wrong. So you have to put yourselves in their shoes and understand, you know, where they may be coming from. Sometimes, too, it's very cultural, you know, between, um, you know, how they've, how they've grown up and their, um, their, um, their culture, their race, their um, ethnicity, um, that in terms of that type of culture versus culture we were just speaking of. Um, and it's just not how they were, um, what they do in their, their culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so they are not comfortable in, in coming forward in that respect. That's, yeah. And that's yeah. so unfortunate. And do you deal Isn't with... Isn't it? Do you deal with... Um, in situations like that, or are you more on the all other the time. all the time? Oh, we, yeah, we work on, yeah. So we'll work alongside both the, you know, managers, supervisors, owners, as, as well as employees, line employees, and yeah, mm -hmm. at all levels of the organization. Right. And mm -hmm. that's, and that's so unfortunate that this, in today's society, you would think that we had gotten, we've gotten to a point where... <sighs> people, you know, through the, the Me Too era, through all of this, through that if somebody yeah. is being bullied or somebody is being in any number of things, right, that you would think people would feel comfortable to and if if not their own manager, if not, correct, you know, and again, I guess I suppose this is why I have been in situations. And again, don't get me wrong, I haven't been in situations where it was, you know, imminent, imminent, where I was like, Oh, my gosh, sure. I have to. But um, it it is, it's amazing that in today's society, we are still experiencing still. situations like this. Yeah, right. So I kind of got off on a tangent here as we <laughs> that's okay, as we it just you triggered something in my brain. So Getting back to the employee, you know, ret employee retention and training, and do you work with companies on creating training plans on how to onboard new employees? Yes, on a regular basis, we certainly do. So, so training plans, yes, and that can look very different again per the organization. So, you know, are we training managers? Are we training on compliance? Um, sexual harassment prevention, um, the, um, 
are we training on, you know, a, a handbook, right? Are we mm -hmm. training on, you know, whatever, um, so family medical leave, I'm just trying to come up with um, a number of different trainings that we've done. We will also train um, like newer human resource professionals uh, in their roles. Mm -hmm. In terms of onboarding, yes, we will um, create new hire onboarding trainings to effectively bring in a new employee um, in terms of not only the regular compliance new hire paperwork package, but also what trainings do they need to be effective in their roles. Now, of course, if it's company specific, role specific, what have you, we're going to work alongside of that client manager, supervisor who has the knowledge in those specifics to develop that program, but we will um, work with them to do that. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. and do you find a lot of companies are lacking in the onboarding process? More and more are moving towards um, more of an electronic onboarding process. And with these tools in terms of, um, you know, adding that into their um, HRIS system, whether that be ADP, Paycor, Paylocity, Paycom, I don't know, fill in the blank, right? So that has helped tremendously, but there are still quite a few organizations in which we help support that are more on a paper-based um, onboarding. And that may be because of the nature of the workforce that they have, or just because they haven't invested in that um, onboarding program. Mm -hmm. um, but the, it, when I talk about that, that really has to do more with the, you know, do you have, you know, an, an application? Do you have your um, your tax forms? Do you have your I-9? Um, and those type of documents. And it does not necessarily then expand into, you know, what does that first week look like for that employee? Right. What does it look like beyond that first week? Because having a very solid onboarding, um, that all, as I say, goes into that stickiness factor. Right. If that employee doesn't have a nice, warm, welcome onboarding, they're going to continue to look for the next opportunity. Um, they're not going to feel like they're valued, that they belong there, that they're needed, right? So um, you, you just hit a um, like a major yeah. button here for me. So forgive sure. me while I interrupt you for a second. Please. I had a company once say to me, we don't, um, after they go through the initial paperwork, we don't circle back to them until they've made it their first week. And I said right? to them, well, well why? Because we want to make sure that they're going to make it their first week until we invest any more time in them. And I went, wait, what? Oh, that's too late. Um, I, I, Why would you expect them to stay that first week if you're not investing any time in them? And their response was, we didn't, we haven't noticed that it has helped any better because we're just, we have people coming and going so quickly. What is your philosophy on that? <laughs> If you don't invest in them from, I mean, forget the first, so end of first week, even it has to start before their first day. It has to start from the 
the initial reach out to them from every touch point along the way. So if you reach out to that candidate, for example, to say, you know, um, for a phone interview, from that phone interview to a in-person interview, to extending that job offer, that time period between that job offer, like let's just say for example, it's two weeks, standard two weeks. Mm -hmm. You better be touching base with that person, um, whether it's an email, a phone call, a text, what have you, throughout those two weeks to make sure that they know that you haven't forgotten about them in those two weeks. Just a quick little note. I hope your day's going well. We can't wait for you to start. We're preparing your orientation. Um, just want to make sure, you know, you have everything you need for day one. Quick little touch basis. You're going to lose them before they even come in that door. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. And... And, and I agree. I absolutely agree. But like you mentioned, even some employees who come in that door continue to look around for other Absolutely. So in today's society, in today's world with more jobs than people, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and this isn't stopping, by the way. Because we have more jobs than people available to work, and and that's that's just that's that is the way it is now. It it right. is. There's just no more people. Um, how do we combat that? Again, I don't. I don't expect you to, I don't expect you to have an answer. Yeah. If you had an answer to that, you'd be a millionaire, right? <laughs> Uh, uh, let me grab my, my crystal ball and my pixie dust and we'll just resolve this right now. But right. Um, but it is, it is being diligent about, you know, finding that talent, making them feel valued and, and then having a good environment while you have that employee. Now, on the flip side, just because you have a warm body in that spot does not make that person valuable to you. So think about if you have a person working for you and they're just underperforming, not performing, if they're toxic, if they are contributing to a poor environment, um, if they're bringing down your culture and not um, living up to the culture you want, is it better to let that person go and have a vacancy or to continue to have that person in that role and spread that, you know, toxic environment. Um, and you, as the manager, owner, what, you know, decision maker, you need to decide what's better. And knowing I, that there may not be an easy backfill for that person, you might be without someone for a while. Right. And I think that is why so many companies has, have ended up yeah. where they are. Right. Because, and unfortunately, it is the small to mid-sized companies. It is. Who can't pay the top dollar like the monster companies 
out there. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are struggling to get individuals who are willing to take the lower paying positions. Mm -hmm. And right now, um, you know, I have obviously coming from the staffing industry, coming from an industry where you talk to all of these individuals who are who will tell you up front, it's it's not about the money. It's I want to find a better environment. But then when it comes to negotiation, it comes down right. to, well, this other company's offering me five thousand dollars more a year. <laughs> you know, I think I might take that. And you look at them and you go, well, wait a second. But you you know that company you know, has a really bad reputation for their culture. Yeah, but, okay, wait, let's go back to what you originally mm-hmm. told me in the initial conversation we ever had. Because when it comes down to the core, money talks, and that person will end up taking that job, and they'll last their six months, and then they call you back and they say, I'm back on the market. Why are you back mm-hmm. in the market? Oh, that was a horrible company to work for. Mm-hmm. And then when you ask them, well, what would you like? What is the minimum that you need to make? They'll say the dollar amount that they were making at that other company. And then you go, wait a second. Just because you made $5,000 more a year for six months does not mean that that is what you are valued at in mm-hmm. this market. They paid a premium for you to steal you away from another offer. And then that person doesn't understand why they can't get a job. And then they get right. disgruntled and they get upset with you. And then they don't want to work with you because you're a horrible recruiter who, how dare <laughs> you, you try to lowball them. Mm-hmm. And then you're, and I, again, I'm, I'm now getting into this, you know, cycle of where we are in this world, but out of nowhere, some company will go, yep, no, 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 I'll, I'll pay that for them. And yet, it's another company that has a horrible culture mm-hmm. that's willing to snap them up. And then they go and they work there for six months. And eventually, when they do come back to you and you find them a really awesome company that really wants to interview them, the company will yeah. come back and go, why is this person a job jumper? <laughs> oh, I hear this story <laughs> regularly. And you go... What I want to say is because they didn't take my advice when they had a really awesome job offer a year and a half ago. And so they've been going through the cycle of chasing the money. And now they finally gotten smart about it and realized, oh, I could have had a very sweet job at a very well-paying job at a really good company. But they'll never admit that. And then who gets the bad rap? The recruiter. The recruiter. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. You're not finding me a you're company. You're not producing. You're not, you're not finding me a company that's a good company. All these companies right. are, you know, are horrible. And blah, blah, blah. Sorry. I digress. I digress. <laughs> Can you tell that I'm a little COVID brain today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, getting back at it. Sure. We are starting to, we're, we're coming to time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I want to ask you the question of the season. Okay. You have been in your industry working in HR for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. So if you could change 
a practice about your job or something about your job or the, the, mm-hmm. the practice that people do in your role, what would you change? I like the question of the season. Um, oftentimes in human resources, right, we need to, we absolutely, not oftentimes, we do need to abide by compliance. Um, there are many HR professionals who look at um, the practice in terms of black and white, right? Mm-hmm. But we deal with people and people are not black and white. We are individuals with very unique needs and unique situations. Um, So I feel we need to be somewhat flexible within the guardrails of the laws um, and compliance that's given to us. So sometimes we need to play in that gray area um, given the situation that we're handed. and treat it with some compassion. We're not dealing with robots. We're dealing with people. And sometimes you just need to step into their shoes for a moment. Now, I say that, but I also am very, very much aware that with compliance, we need to apply things equitably, uniformly, but these are individuals with unique needs. So take that into consideration. It's not black and white. I love that. I love it and I agree with it. And, um, you know, and I go back to, you know, the days of creating jobs that were cookie cutter and everybody has to do the same and the plug and play, the idea that we could just take somebody with this skill set and plug them in this job and they were going to be able to do it. Um, those days are gone. They are. Yeah. And we just, we need to get on, on, um, we need to get on board with that and realize that we have to hire people with common sense. Very hard to teach common sense. Right. And unfortunately, colleges are not, are not allowing people to raise up with common sense. They're saying, Hey, go study this, come back, not study. Go memorize this, come back, and pass this test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, that needs to change. We need to allow people to, you know, to troubleshoot on their own, sometimes even flounder. Yes. It's okay to fail as long as you learn from it. Correct. Yes. And that's, and that's what we need to start teaching our children again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stop allowing them to win the board game every time. They will cry about it. They will throw fits because I have a five-year-old who cries about it and throws fits. Mm -hmm. But she's old enough to understand that she can't win every time. Plain and simple. I stopped rigging the game for her to win every time because she's never going to learn anything if she wins the game. every. Now, I will tell you that every time we play Crazy Eights, for some reason, she wins every freaking time. (laughs) It's her skill. I know. It's Mad's (laughs) skill. We've, we don't, you never learn anything, anything. I think, you know, all of those shows, although those cop shows, whenever it's the, whenever it's the, the dad, the rich dad who's bailing out the rich kid every single time, they're, they're spoiled brats, right? 
Mm -hmm. well, I'm going to get out of this because daddy's going to come to my rescue until one day daddy can't come to the rescue or mommy or stepdaddy or stepdad or grandpa, whatever. Right? Right. We we have to stop bailing our kids out so that our kids can grow up with brains that are actually Mm -hmm. functioning fully and troubleshooting issues and problems. That's what's going to create a strong yeah. work. I'm sorry. I digress again. That's okay. Say, I mean, and that's, that, that is what creates a strong human beings. Mm-hmm. The ability to fail and still succeed through failure. Yeah, absolutely. Again, learning, learning and growing from those mistakes. If you don't fail, you can't learn. Right. I have fallen more and more times than I oh, yeah. Can possibly than I will ever admit. How about that? I tell my daughter, I make mistakes every day. Yeah. Every single day. Some of them are small. Some of them are big. Just got to keep going. Just don't make mistakes on your taxes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? Sure. Um, A couple of different ways. One, uh, you can reach me at HR at Presidio Group, that's grp.com. You can also call me, um, but I'm on the phone all day, so that one is a little bit more challenging, but certainly feel free to call me at 630-524-6153. Excellent. And that'll be in the show notes. Jennifer, I really appreciate you coming on today and talking with me. It's been a great conversation. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You have an awesome day. Thanks. You too. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.